1: Here's Lisa living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald.
2: good morning everybody thank you so very much for joining me rejoining me again here on living fearlessly with lisa mcdonald on the contact talk radio network listenership spans to 145 countries 220 tv radio terrestrial satellites and the potential for many iTunes downloads once again we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest but what makes this much more special is it's a re-invited guest and somebody who i can now say is truly A personal friend of mine. So who's here with me today? Well, Dave Meltzer, the one and only. Dave Meltzer is the CEO of Sports One Marketing, a Forbes top 10 keynote speaker, award-winning humanitarian, and two-time national best-selling author with 25 years of experience as an entrepreneur, an executive in the legal, Technology, sports, and entertainment fields. With expertise across many industry verticals, he is uniquely positioned as a world renowned thought leader, business strategist, and leading humanitarian. Dave has created a platform that allows him to communicate with everyone from college students to C suite executives by using his principles for business and life, which are gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication. Utilizing these four principles every day allows Dave to live by his mission, which is to make a lot of money help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. In addition to that, what I'd like to also say is why I brought uh, Dave back onto the show was not only to thank him for things, which you will come to hear shortly, uh, but we're here to talk about his book. I very graciously was invited, put on the VIP list for his book launch in Brooklyn. That having transpired between the initial interview and him being reinvited back onto Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald today, And he honestly treated me like gold. This is seriously a friend for life. And Dave, I want to welcome you back to my show. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm amazing. And I'm just uh, so thrilled to be back and kind of re-experience your unbelievable show as a friend. And it was so nice to have you at the book launch with my closest 300 friends and associates uh, in a very hot and steamy, beautiful new restaurant owned by Jay-Z. So that was a lot of fun.
2: Oh, it was. And let me just say, I just want to give some background to this. So following the initial interview, Dave had, we had kept up with some correspondence with regards to a few other business matters. And very graciously, Dave invited me, as I mentioned, to be on the VIP list for his book launch. Uh, The book being Game Time Decision Making, which we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about today. And I came from Toronto Ontario Canada to Brooklyn made my way up the entranceway and before I did so I was super impressed because what was on the side of the building of this swanky restaurant was your face somebody had painted your face with all your social media handles uh, with your happiness catchphrase and I thought oh my god what is going on here so (laughs) then I walk up the stairs you're to my immediate right And you very graciously asked the people who were uh, staffing the event to pull up a table so I could sit beside you, your beautiful wife, Julie, and two of your kids that were there. And I'm thinking, wow, this man is something else. Like, you are the real deal, Dave. I mean, you really went out of your way to make me feel special. And I was probably the only one in the room that wasn't a close family member or a business associate. So the fact that you extended that honor and privilege to me outside of your gracious time on the airwaves before. And now again, I can't thank you enough.
0: Well, you know, it's one thing to teach people or tell people or advise people on being kind to your future self or what it's like to live a life of gratitude. Uh, Those four principles uh, that you list out are really important to me. And I've lived the other life of, uh, you know, manipulation overselling, back end selling and separation and uh, where, you know, I would do things differently. And I'm, Know what works. And I want to encourage other people, inspire other people that, look, it's not very hard to be kind to your future self, to go ahead and pick up trash when you walk by it by extend a smile, hold the door open, uh, walk a grocery cart back. But it's amazing when you do the little extras uh, in French, it's called Lanyap. A little bit something extra can mean so much more exponentially. And uh, that's what I live by. So it's nothing to me, I will tell you, it's hard to be radically humble when they put your face on the side of a building with your catchphrase and all your handles. <laughs> uh, they they surprise they surprised me with that. Um, and I try to, to live with that humility. And I gather that the muralist who drove all the way in from well above Boston on the coast uh, because he had been inspired uh, by me and wanted to do something for my book launch, uh, I was very touched. But it's it, I can't explain some uh, experiences of, about humility when people do things for you like that. And you're humbled. Uh, you know, I, I was just gracious that I could pass it through to you and my family and my friends and my associates thoroughly enjoyed meeting you.
2: Oh, well, thank you. And your family's lovely. And upon me arriving back to Toronto, I was getting texts from the best friend of your first aunt i believe it was and you know she's like you know next time you're in manhattan we gotta do lunch and i'm like next time you're in toronto we gotta do supper
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's so, going to gain back their weight they lost from the 100 degree, <laughs> uh, speech I gave.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, well, that's on my list of things I, wanted, I want to uh, impress upon because I live-streamed that. And, I, you know, everybody was, like, surrounded and swarming you. And the fact that I got as close as I did in which to live-stream, I was impressed by that alone because I kind of hustled my way through there and maybe pissed a few people off. But <laughs> I... I thought you know and you're just you're such an eloquent speaker and you so speak from the heart. Some people they've got their stick down pad and it's very robot robotic and very automatic. Uh, but you welled up and you made eye contact with everybody you possibly could. Uh, you gave kudos to everybody. Uh, You talked about the percentages and the stats for how few people are happy on an annual basis. And I think you cited that the average person is only happy 15 days out of the year and that you wanted to do your part to reverse that and to overcome that. And you shared a lot of things about what the people who were there with you in the room meant to you and how people were instrumental in your journey and what your, your passions are, what your purpose is and what the vision is of this book. Um, so, and I got a, I got my copy from you and I know it was sitting at the curb. I was waiting for Uber. Everybody was like ready to go. And I thought, you know what? He's already been too kind to me. I can't ask him on the curb of the street at whatever crazy hour it was to inscribe it, but I'm grateful enough. (laughs) And I just want to say I was very touched by your speech and a lot of the people who follow me tuned into that live stream and they too were very touched um, by your humbleness, by your sincerity uh, and your soul really transcended through that video. And that's really who you are, which is why. I really had to have you back on the show and why we maintain contact. So for everything you do in ways that you don't even realize, Dave, it just, I think, becomes second nature for you. Uh, you really are transcending people's lives. You're really transforming the way people think. Um, and you're elevating everybody to play a bigger game. And that brings me to the book. So I want to talk about game time decision making. Um As I was mentioning to Cameron, the network owner here before we went live, you know, I get a lot of books sent to me by publishing companies, um, and I don't have time to read everything from beginning to end. I catch some phrases and things and I write them down. Yours, I have read from beginning to end, and I know it's going to be a book that I revisit and reread time and time again, because what I love about your book, uh, Game Time Decision Making, Dave, and why I think this is like a real true bingo, I mean, this is a bullseye book, is you have very... Very strategically, and I'll use that on purpose because sports is very strategic. Uh, Decision making is very strategic. But you have, for people who aren't even in the realm of sports, but just being an everyday human being, you have parlayed and paralleled quite beautifully the same core principles that underscore key elements of life and what really takes people's lives to the next level such as leadership such as gratitude such as mindset such as humility um and you your metaphors uh and your analogies and i my favorite metaphors and analogies are those that are related to sports because i think it speaks to everything on the humanistic level in this realm of of life. Um, So I just want to say, I think that you did a bang out job with
0: this book.
2: You truly did.
0: Thank you. You know, it's interesting because I I wrote the book about lessons and I think there's so many lessons. The number one decision that I want people to make is to be happy as we discussed. And I figured now, how do you, you know, happiness is great and people talk about love is the answer and all of these things that I used to resist when I was a hard hitting corporate executive. Not that I'm not a corporate executive now at the highest level, but I'm not hard hitting. Uh, But I still understand that some of the things that I, I know will not resonate. It won't have the force of the signal, the spectrum of the signal, the clarity of the message that I need. So beyond children, the number one emotionally attaching thing on earth is sport. Mm. Uh, men, women, children, uh, they're emotionally attached to sport, dependent upon what sport they love. And there's a million different sports out there, some digital now and some traditional. But what I thought was, wow, well, what if I could take, you know, 10 really big life lessons on how to be happy? And I could do a pregame analysis uh, of that for people and tell them, here's the lesson that i like you to learn. And then utilize sports stories from all sports and all generations, you know, way back from Vince Lombardi to Danica Patrick to Maria Sharapova to, you know, Belichick, whoever it may be, John Wooden and use all these great stories from sports to teach the lesson that I put in the pregame analysis. And then give my own post-game analysis uh, through the experiences and the perspective and lens of productivity and accessibility that I have. And I believe that I accomplished my mission of helping people to make an ultimate decision at the end in a very obsequious manner to be happy. And I think if you read this book, I'm really empowering you with the tools, with the pre-game analysis, the sports stories, and the post-game analysis Mm -hmm. in order to effectuate happiness into your life.
2: Well, I think you you most definitely accomplished what you set out to do, and you did it in spades. Uh, so you should be very proud of yourself, Dave. Um, you. And it just it, it just took the level of me being very proud to know you. Uh, and I talk about that at the humanistic level. I'm not talking about your accolades, your success, your notoriety, because uh, I've interviewed, and I know a lot of people in that realm, as you have too, and, and very generically have cited in your book, Uh, And different conversations that we've had, you know, a lot of people fit the bill for what defines success, but at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily qualify or become synonymous with them being a stellar human being, right? You strip them of all their success or what they're known for on the global stage. At the end of the day, are they still the same person, right? Do they really carry those same inherent beliefs?
0: And I think that's, you know, whether you're a politician or, you know, Epstein or any of these guys that other people looked up to for years and years as being successful. I think because of the ultra information era that we live in, that we have accessibility to all types of details, that it's so important to be true and to live towards or walk towards your potential. And that's where I'd love to inspire people is to consistently every day, persistently without quit, pursue their potential of their higher self.
2: Absolutely. Well, and one thing that I said I'd made reference to in the initial interview, but because the focal point at that point was not your book, it's more, I'd like to delve a little bit deeper into it now. But I myself am a former athlete. You know, I used to have the regimen that most athletes do when they're at that high competitive level, you know, training seven days a week, uh, twice a day in the pool. Swimming was my sport of choice. And for me, with it having been an individualized sport, I knew at a very young age, especially as it relates to personal growth personal development at the end of the day whether you play a team sport or not you're only ever in competition with yourself and if everybody shows up rises and knows how to effectively maneuver things and make those on-the-spot decisions uh then if you are in a team environment on on the field or on the court as a team everybody's bringing their a game but because it was only me ever in competition with trying to aspire to get my best time or shave time off my best time and looking at that clock on the wall and doing my flip turns and you know all of that stuff that even though I no longer swam, that what that has done for me, and the currency that that has carried through every aspect of my life as a mother, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, it's always about showing up and and trying to outperform yourself. It's not being in competition with another radio show host or or somebody else who's a speaker, or whatever. It's really how does Lisa focus on Lisa and hone and perfect what she has yet to learn. And look to people like you who have done similar things and have perhaps done it better and go, okay, there's somebody to go uh, be coachable from. There's somebody I can go learn from. And, So I love anything that pertains to sports because I'm very driven that way. And I am a very highly competitive person. Uh, So whether you're no longer in sports, I think everything that you've learned in sport continues to transcend in your life. And a lot of that does come down to focus, discipline, investment of time, uh, and really being able to visualize and manifest. Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. And I love the fact that you collaborate in the individual sport, a team aspect, because in the humanistic perspective, we're all connected, right? Yeah. But we have, we have to do our own job. You know, part of teamwork uh, is doing your individual work uh, and understanding the whole, but you have to do your job. And so many other people don't live in gratitude as a teammate. They don't live with forgiveness as a teammate. They don't live with accountability as a teammate. And most importantly, the inspiration, the in-spirit, the connectedness between having interference or corrosion between not only the connection that inspires them, but more importantly, those teammates that are inspired themselves have to be able to allow that inspiration to go through them. And without corrosion or interference, inspire other people. And I tell people all the time, you have to do for you in order to do for your team. Even my own perspective over the last few years, I've reprioritized my entire life Mm -hmm. to put my own health ahead of my family And ahead of my business. I've never done that before until I realized this lesson of teamwork. What good am I to my family or my business if I'm not here? Right. Very true. Feeling well. And it's the same thing. So I love the fact that you really draw from I need to take care of myself. I need to do my job. I need to live to my higher self. Therefore, I will inspire others around me, elevate others to elevate myself. And when I can provide an opportunity to be and connect to that which inspires me, the ultimate overwhelming force of energy that not only has a clearer connection, but more importantly, am I in the flow where that flows through me, me appreciating it, meaning me being thankful and, two, adding value to it, and then giving it to others, that's teamwork.
2: Absolutely. Beautiful. Well said. Now, for the benefit of the listening audience, Dave, and again, eventually the podcast subscribers, once this uploads and calibrates, you talk quite a bit about the Ben Franklin effect. I'd love to hear more about that from you.
0: It's really evolved over the years. It started, my mom made me read the biography about Ben Franklin, and it's a very long, boring book. But my one takeaway that changed my life was that he said that if you ask for help, If you ask for help, you become an investment of other people. And they will help you not only with what your objective is, but more importantly, in the long term, as an investment, be successful. You are now part of them. And the hardest thing that I learned throughout the years, as everyone knows, is to ask for help. I'm great at giving. Most people are great at giving. It makes us feel good. It's almost a selfish aspect of the ego to give everything that we have. But most of us don't like to ask, right? It creates separation, inferiority, superiority. It creates an ego-based consciousness. And so we devoid ourselves or create an interference or corrosion to the connection of others by drawing from them inspiration and assets and resources in which their skills, knowledge, and desire have acquired in order to create a flow. And so that book, The Ben Franklin Effects, that I need to ask, you know, four things myself to be an investment now i call it also the reverse ben franklin effect that now the more that i ask the more that i can give so i create that flow so the two questions of the ben franklin effect are number one can you help me or do you know anyone that can help me is a better way to phrase it and more importantly how can i be of service and those two things those two questions if that's all you did all day long was asked how can I be of service or provide value or service? And then do you know anyone that can help me in person on the phone via email or media, radio print TV or social media? If that's all you did all day long... I can't tell you how successful you would be no matter what industry you're in, especially if you're in any of the sales industries from financial planning to real estate to any type of manufacturing, sales, et cetera. Those two questions will blow out your network and create a (laughs) flow of abundance that you would not. I mean, I I could give a billion dollar real estate seminar and it would be a 10 minute seminar and I'd say, okay, everybody here. Here's the two questions that I want you to go ask in person on the phone via email and media. Call me when you got your first billion because you're going to get it and I guarantee it. Love it.
2: Love it. Well, and what I've come to learn, and I know that this is, you know, I know that you uh, subscribe to this wholeheartedly yourself is, you know, it's a full circle effect. So we're all good at giving, but it's very difficult for people to be on the receiving end of other people's kindness, which then propels us to. Ask for help. And so I think it's just as important to be a good receiver as it is to be a good giver, you know, because as you as you said, and, and there's a lot of truth to that, you know, it does kind of border on a little bit selfishness because we know the residuals Uh, And the domino effect of knowing that we have certainly helped somebody else in the way that it's transformed a situation, uh, a relationship, a business transaction on the field, whatever the case may be, uh, where you can be that resource for somebody else. Um, But oftentimes people have a hard time being the one to receive it. And yet we're always giving and we know how that makes us feel. So why would we deny someone else that same pleasure?
0: Absolutely. It, it's so counterintuitive as well as it really is the most illustrative of all ego-based consciousness when we don't ask for help. It's a, You have to be so vulnerable and so radically humble to ask people for help that you have to live closer or in pursuit of the truth consciousness that only allows you to be in the flow and produce more.
2: Absolutely. Well, and following our initial interview, when we then had some back and forth exchanges through uh, email you had said to me, and you say this pretty much every time we, not pretty much, every single time we correspond, and you're like, how can I help you? What can I do for you? And I'm thinking, well, you've already done more than I could ever expect or ask, uh, and that will carry me forever, your your gratitude that's been graciously extended to me. But I thought, you know what, I get where he's going, and this is very much my mindset too, and I think for people who are in the realm of coaching and mentoring, uh, you know, it's something that we impress upon our clients, and so... I was quite comfortable to say, you know what, I've been actively trying to pursue getting your friend, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk on my platforms. And, you know, you had reached out to him. And in fact, I brought gifts raptors t-shirts and copies of my (laughs) books for for you and him and you had a business meeting with him the next day and i mean you've been traveling back and forth hong kong you've had this big book launch you've had this big thing in jay-z's restaurant and i knew it was a late night for you and i knew you probably still needed to unwind before you could actually fall asleep before your early morning business meeting with him and you took my gifts to him and I thought, like, this guy is unbelievable. So, you know, I'm still waiting for Gary Vaynerchuk, but for the ways in which We'll get you... him.
0: We'll get him. We're doing more and more with him. I just was with him again. And my worst <laughs> thing with that is I really wanted to give you a great gift back for making the effort to come see me. And he stayed till 8.30 at night with me. And then literally in the middle of my interview uh, that we were doing, just stood up and said, Dave, I got to go. It's 8 something. And I didn't even get a picture with him.
1: <laughs> I wanted to take a
0: picture. <laughs> um, and so he laughed last time I saw him because, once again, I did the the Gary V thing for the GRID Awards, which he's keynoting. And uh, he winked at me when I said, hey, I got to get you at least an introduction to my dear friend Lisa. And he winked at me and said, we'll get it done. And I know when, when Gary tells me he's going to get something done, I, I let everything happen in the right way at the perfect time. Uh, but Aww. just like with my book, he squeezed me in. Uh, and he was all, it's like literally one of those times he was gone for two weeks and he squeezed me in, uh, and was so late and I wanted him to go home. And I said, Gary, why are you doing this? You're you, this is not that important. Why are you doing that? He said, because I promised you, and this is important to me to make Aww. your book successful. And if you listen to the interview with Gary and I, and I listen have to why he Multiple did it. Times. It's just, yeah. It's extraordinary, right? The way that he just, I love the way he starts and the, I love his commitment to, You know, he he walks the walk and nobody could understand the amount, uh, you know, because I'm, you know, let's say I'm one tenth of of Gary's following, uh, which is extraordinary uh, to be at. But Mm -hmm. one tenth of his following, I could imagine having ten times the following of how many asks uh, that people do. And he is so gracious and sincere Uh, He has a different style than me, and I enjoy his style, and I appreciate him. And we are co-mentors of each other, helping each other out, like he says at the beginning. Dave has a swimming pool, and I want to learn to swim. I have a basketball court, and he wants to learn to play basketball. (laughs) And when he he moved in my neighborhood, I was thrilled. I was thrilled. And I still am to be in his neighborhood. Uh, So anyone out there that may be kind of turned off by, you know, Gary's uh, harder, straightforward attitude. I love it. He's a softy. He's the real deal. And I promise you, Lisa, at the right way, at the perfect time, he'll be on this show someday.
2: Oh, you're lovely. I really, really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, and, and it does work both ways. I mean, you're highly connected. I can't think of anything that I could do to help you that you wouldn't be able to do yourself or that a million other people wouldn't be first in line to want to do on your behalf. But truly, if there's anything I can do, uh, to support you or to connect you with someone or anything. I, that's an open ended, long standing, forever offering. And I hope one day, in thank whatever you. way you think I can bring something of value to you, uh, that you'll take advantage of that.
0: Thank you. I will. Uh, I'm sure something will come up and we can get into the flow together. So thank you.
2: Well, thank you, my friend. So again, going back to a couple of things in your book that really resonated with me. And uh, on page 94, I'm going to cite, you said, you need to have a learning zone outside of your comfort zone because it will allow you to expand and learn how to make harder and more complex decisions. Expand your comfort zone the way a butterfly breaking out of a cocoon strengthens its wings so it can fly. I absolutely love that. And what I really love about that is not just the visual that accompanies that, which really lends true to your point hitting home, Dave, but I love how you say you need to have a learning zone because when people talk about zones, they often talk about the comfort zone, but you you specified and you underscored learning zones. So let's talk a little bit more from your perspective what that means.
0: You know, it's interesting because most people have two zones, a comfort zone and an anxiety zone. And... Mm-hmm directed towards the objective of being happy. What happens when we're in the comfort zone is there's no expansion or acceleration, right? Mm-hmm. It's, wh- it's why we take advice from others. It's why we manifest what others want for us. It's why we don't expand and accelerate is because we become a copy, uh, right? We're limited, not by technology anymore. We're mi- limited by imagination, in fact. I have all my employees reading science fiction so that they can learn and imagine at an even greater pace because I know there's technology out there to support our imaginations now. Uh, Moreover, if we can create a learning zone, a buffer between the copy, the comfort, the ordinary, and we can create the extraordinary, this learning zone, then we can stay out of or be more aware of when we're in the anxiety zone. What happens with people, if you don't have a learning zone and you go just from comfort to anxiety, then the anxiety zone constricts. We actually shrink, depreciate. We don't accelerate and grow. And so what happens to so many people is they – go ahead when they're in the anxiety zone, because they have no learning zone, they're, they're not used to the expansion and growth. They go to drugs and alcohol, opiate addiction, depression, all these things that actually accelerate and shrink down the comfort zone. So people that used to have a, at least a broad comfort zone end up, because of those things, not being able to get out of bed, mm. n- that, finding themselves in hospitals, finding themselves dead, overdose, sick, depressed. And so it's so important to understand when I'm in the learning zone and to be inspired by that consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, to learn to love what you're doing, to go ahead and experience just like a butterfly. You know, if you cut a hole in a cocoon, you kill the butterfly because his wings will never fly. We need to be in the learning zone and strengthen our wings so that when, you know, just like nature, when we're strong enough to break out of the cocoon, we're strong enough to fly. And here's the coolest thing about having a learning zone is if you have a learning zone and you stay in that learning zone, pretty soon your learning zone size becomes the size of your comfort zone. And what used to be in your anxiety zone now becomes your learning zone. And you have a whole nother anxiety zone even farther and farther <laughs> out. That's what, it, that's what acceleration and growth is. And that's what we're missing. That's where happiness is created is that we need to stay in the learning zone.
2: Absolutely. Okay, so I just had a couple simultaneous questions come to me. So based on your own rapid growth momentum, the way you continuously scale leverage every aspect of your business and who you are as a person based on your commitment to personal growth, personal development, um, what causes you like, I mean, does your success cause you any level of anxiety? is there like, how am I going to be able to maintain this, sustain this, you know, is this sustainable? Like, am I going to out, like, how do I keep up with myself? How do I keep up with the (laughs) bandwidth of my own self?
0: Yeah. So what I do is I carry two mindsets. Uh, the first mindset is the first action. There's only one action in a day. And that action to me is to find my peace center, happiness, joy. Uh, and I do that through 20 minutes of meditation and I find my highest frequency uh, at the beginning of my day, and that's my mindset. I know that I only get one action because after I take my first action, everything is a reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I find that higher frequency, when I find that comfort, that love, that joy, that truth, and in the pursuit of my potential, I now put myself in the learning zone. So what keeps me, and I have anxiety every day because I have an ego, and the ego you know, allows me to be focused, But I don't allow it to depreciate me. I don't believe it's a motivator. So what happens to me is that my awareness or mindset is when my ego-based consciousness puts me out into the anxiety zone, you know, is this going to have enough? Is there, you know, enough, just enough, more than enough? Where, Where am I? Whenever I have fear, when I have the need to be right, when I have the need to be offended or guilty or separate or inferior or superior or angry or anxious, whenever any of these things happen, my... Second mindset for the day is every reaction should be go back to center first. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I have disciplined myself at a high percentage to go back to center before I react. And the faster that I can get back to center, then I can stay in the learning zone instead of accelerating downhill. So the analogy that I use for this is that when you're in the learning zone, you're a car sitting on top of the highest hill in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And all it all it takes is one finger to keep that car on top of the hill. But what happens is if we don't have the mindset of getting back to center and we start allowing that car to go downhill, it accelerates the faster downhill with more power. And then if you try to stop that car at the end of the day. After it's been flying downhill all day, what do you think your chances are of getting back into the learning zone, let alone the comfort zone? You're going to live your life in the anxiety zone, go to sleep in the anxiety zone, wake up in the anxiety zone. You're going to accelerate in the wrong trajectory because you're in an ego-based consciousness a consciousness of not enough in mm-hmm. that you know, need to be separate and need to be inferior. You're going to create interference and corrosion to the greatest source of power that's ever been created and to others. All of those things exponentially grow in the wrong direction because you don't know where your center is and you don't go back to center. That's part of being in the learning
2: zone. Bingo. You know, it's interesting. I I had this uh, intuitive observation after the first time or during our first interview, but this just kind of came back to me again. When I hear you speak, you're just, you're such an eloquent speaker and you really speak from the soul. And I think this is why that you resonate with me as a kindred spirit. We even actually cited soulmates in the first interview and, and, you know, people think partnership and soulmate means so many different things. But when I hear you speak, I hear remnants and flavors of Abraham Hicks. And I know you're a very spiritual person. Do you subscribe to her, her work?
0: Absolutely. And have a, hey, House. Uh, published my first book, Connected to Goodness, before I self-published it, after. Um, I am a student of uh, Abraham and Esther Hicks. I'm a student I can tell. of Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer, A Course in Miracles. I've studied the Old Testament, Kabbalah, the New Testament. I've studied all types of different ways that we can connect to in spirit so that I can figure out the best ways to articulate a strong signal, a wide spectrum, and a clear message for everyone, regardless of what their spiritual or religious beliefs are, that we all need to be connected, we all need to be happy, and separating us is not the solution.
2: No. Well, I, I can, you know, not that I have this habit of speaking for people, but I too am, you know, a huge student of Abraham Hicks slash Jerry Esther, and uh, I think they would be very proud if they could listen to this right now, because you, you, you really do incorporate and embody the teachings of the people that you seek out as mentors, as coaches, as guides, um, and it really comes through in your delivery. And I know that based on how you live your life, it's authentically lived.
0: I work my best to have that frequency, and although I'm not perfect, uh, the higher the frequency, the closer I am to my potential, the truth, and I always say that uh, authenticity uh, is a matter of how we are connected with the least amount of interference or corrosion uh, to the all-powerful source of energy that exists, the all-knowing, the all-being, the infinity of time, space, awareness that I believe exists, and it's so difficult. To tell people, you know, being authentic is truly being yourself uh, with gratitude, forgiveness for when you're in the ego-based consciousness, accountability for what you've attracted and what you've learned, and understanding those lessons only expand us in the learning zone. Uh, So that's where I live my life.
2: Love it. Well, let me ask you this then, Dave, you know, because you've lived a lot of life um, and I don't say that based on chronological age. I just, you're very deliberate and intentional with how you choose to live your life and and emit your energies. Um, When it comes to game time decision making, looking back on your life, hindsight 2020, what, what would you say is the hardest game time decision you've ever needed to make?
0: Oh, for sure. Radical humility. Uh, the hardest decision I, I make every day is to get back to center. The, the humility that's necessary to, to live in truth consciousness. Uh, if I could tell myself one piece of advice at 15, 25, 35, 45, and here at 51, it would simply be to be radically humble and ask for help find those people that sit in the situation that you want to be in and simply ask for help. I live so much of my life thinking I was in control. I live with the law of Goya always, you know, I I Mm -hmm. get off your ass. I'm, I'm a smart worker. I'm a hard worker. I'm a long worker. I've never attached to an outcome. I've always, you know, known to to think long and to work long. Um, I learned uh, in my thirties, the laws of attraction uh, Mm -hmm. and how, and how that works. But, until recently, I really haven't understood. I, I believed, I used to believe that the the you know the law of Goya, what you think, say, and do could directly impact uh, the universe, that it created its own frequency outside of you. I, I really don't think that I think what we think, say, and do directly impacts our subconscious yes. uh, that 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 creates that law of attraction in the belief system, right? So Napoleon Hill. And all these great authors uh, that I've learned from that deal, Bob Proctor, that deal with, you know, the law of attraction, the frequency that's created by what you think, say, and do goes into the subconscious uh, and creates the law of attraction. What no one's really talking about and where I want to make the difference, and this is where I've drawn from Abraham Hicks, is the law of surrender. Yes. It says there's a continuum from what we think, say, do, and believe that impacts our DNA, a code an epigenetic Mm -hmm. layer, and with what we think, say, do, and believe, we can activate a frequency, an authentic self, uh, that results in a personality, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. But that frequency is the connection between the quantum field that holds infinity of everything, that mm-hmm. has more than enough of everything in every timeframe that you can imagine that when we think, say, do, and believe all the right things that we actually can shift our energy or frequency to draw upon, just like shopping on Amazon, the right things that we want. We learn from that and we expand even farther because the universe is constantly expanding into infinity.
2: Beautiful. Well, the other thing that Abraham Hicks talks about quite extensively too is, yes, energy is a big source of that, but it's also traveling down the path of least resistance, right? And that, that couples with getting out of your own way, because oftentimes when people complain about, Oh my God, here I am again, or why does this keep happening to me? Well, if what you're focusing on are the things that you don't want to continuously happen or show up in your life or be the end result, uh, Don't give it the energy. You got to put your energy on the things that you say you do want, or you do uh, want to embrace into your resonance field. The people that you do want to be immersed with, who are going to help you take it higher and, and hold you accountable in the way that you should continuously hold yourself accountable. So path of least resistance coupled with everything else that we're talking about here really is the core ingredient.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think it's so counterintuitive to understand surrender, that you still have to work hard, work long, work smart, and think right, believe right, all these different things. But when you think of surrender, we think about like getting high, sitting on my mom's couch, you know, high and broke and drunk or whatever, but <laughs> it's not. I, I think, you know, surrendering is the hyper aggressive state, the biggest and hardest action. Like you said, what's the hardest decision I've ever made is surrendering. Yeah, because it takes so much faith and it takes such awareness that people don't even understand the amount of inspiration and energy that's necessary to surrender. They think that working hard is is where the energy should be spent. No, it should be in the surrender combined with working hard, smart, long and believing all the right things for what you want rapidly and accurately.
2: Well, that's right. And the other thing that Abraham talks about, too, is are you choosing to always constantly swim upstream or downstream? Like, which one's in the flow (laughs) here?
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Are you choosing to be happy or not? That's what Abraham's saying. Yes. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So... You know, in, for those, because I mean, I I'm raving about your book. I'm plugging your book. I love your book. Again, I'm going to reread this book because it's timeless. The messages stand, you know, stand forever, uh, in terms of really enriching one's own life, and and that being the gift to then impart to other people because people don't know what they don't know. Uh, but for people who have not read your book yet. What is the underlying takeaway that you would want to impress upon people so as to entice them to go out and get your book knowing it will be a game changer?
0: This book will allow you to make more money, help more people, and have more fun, which I believe are the three ingredients to being happy. So if you want to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun, and be happy, buy this book. It'll be the best investment that you've ever made.
2: Absolutely. And so what's on the trajectory for next? I mean, because I mean, again, I look at you, I look at your success, I look at what you're always endeavoring to do and, and how you've got your hands in a myriad of different pots. Um, are you already strategizing as to what the next decision is for you for game time decision making as far as goals and intentions goes? What's on the
0: list? What's next? For, I have a really big vision. You know, I want to empower a 1000 people. Uh, through yeah. my coaching I I want to empower a thousand people so that they can empower a thousand people to empower another thousand people to be happy. My philosophy uh, in my vision for my life is simply focusing on finding those thousand people that will be within my coaching sphere, allow me to empower them because a thousand times a thousand is a million, a million times a thousand is a billion. And if we together, the thousand thousand and thousand, the Meltzer one thousand. If we can do this, not only will the world's collective consciousness change, we I think that because one particle of light overreaches millions of particles of darkness, that the universe will change by the happiness that's created via the things that I've learned and now transcode all the way back from you know the Sanskrit to Kabbalah to Abraham to the Old Testament, New Testament, and many, many other religious texts and spiritual texts that I've written and continue re- re- read and continue to read. But my mission in life, and the irony is, I could not figure out how to make a hundred billion dollars, but I have figured out how to make a trillion now because I know <laughs> that if, if I can empower a thousand people to empower a thousand people to empower a thousand people, a thousand people that I can coach to do this, that I will make over a trillion dollars because of the abundance that's created and because of the catalytic nature of what I'm doing. And I truly believe I'm 51 years old and, you know, at 50, that's just 20 people a year that I need to learn, subscribe, work with me in order to do this. And that's very doable. So, you know, as quickly as I can but realistically it's the first thing that has huge world implications that I believe that I actually can effectuate it's not a pipe dream it's a mathematical equation that I believe mm-hmm. I can do and I think other people believe I can do it as well
2: and I'm one of those believers I wholeheartedly believe in you and uh you know people often talk about you know sky is the limit and I say no your your limitations are the limit so if you're your goal in life is to continuously be limitless, then beyond the sky is the limit. So there's no doubt for who I have come to know you to be. uh, And and I'm sure there's everybody who knows you could attest to this. Uh, Yeah, you will accomplish that. And I'm I'm one of those people. So thank you for taking me along for the ride.
0: Oh, it's uh, (laughs) destiny. Like you said, people don't understand soulmate, but I absolutely you and I have been together many 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 lifetimes and our soulmates, and, and the, the frequency that we speak at is uh, appreciated and understood
2: well thank you and i echo your sentiments right back to you dave so thank you um just quickly uh before i give you an opportunity to plug where you can be reached and where your book can be purchased dave um, When you cite in your research the statistic of on average for each person on average, they only really have or feel 15 days out of each year of happiness. Where are you on that scale? What's the metric for you?
0: That's awesome. So why I feel I can empower others is that I actually am happy 365 days a year, 366 when we have leap year, but not all day (laughs) long. So my my potential to reach the point where – I want to be happy every day, all day long. But I know that if I can just get people to be happy for 365 days, they'll still be within the context of my infinity, which is, hey, you know, like I talk about my favorite story of walking outside at four in the morning you know, after I've meditated in a perfect state of mind going to work out and my 17-year-old's car is not outside, my 17-year-old daughter's car is not outside. I'm not to the enlightenment yet of uh, being able to stay at peace at that moment.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And and I wasn't very happy at that moment, but I got back to happiness very quickly. And I learned some valuable lessons. Uh, Wayne Dyer said it best. He said, have you ever noticed none of the saints that exist had six children and had to fly across country with them. Uh, When I get the enlightenment to fly across country with all my children and stay at peace and happiness the entire trip, Uh, then maybe we could talk about being happy 365 (laughs) days every minute of the day. But I'm telling you, you know, here in America, 15 days is not enough. I know around the country, uh, there are places uh, in Europe and other places that they have more than that as far as days. But we deserve a billion people on Earth that every day they're happy and their biggest challenge is how do I stay happy each day, not how do I stay happy in a day.
2: Love it. Well, let me just ask you this, because I do sometimes, oftentimes, I actually play devil's advocate. So there's a lot of people out there in the personal realm um, who find that there's a very, there's a big differential between happiness versus joy. No differently than people who reference goals versus intentions. So some people would err on the side no differently than if we're talking about intentions, that joy is really the more purpose-driven energetic sphere that we would want to continually reside within energetically and some people have said and i'm not taking sides on this i just would be interested to get your perspective that happiness is more of a fleeting type feeling as opposed to joy being a more central type emotion well what are your thoughts on that do you agree with that you may not even agree with that i don't know if i agree with that
0: yeah it's interesting because this is a woo-woo problem this is where (laughs) <laughs> and create a problem for this is you know i'm the elvis of spirituality right i have yeah. stolen you know elvis took you know what music existed and he made it mainstream the problem with you know like you said goals and intention or joy and happiness is that when you have studied enough and paid attention uh, to that enough and raised your awareness of that your vibration of it Uh, You understand the difference between the two. You may not agree or or disagree, but you understand the difference between joy and happiness and goals and attention. Don't have to agree with it. My philosophy is that let seven out of eight people not know or not believe anything I say on earth. Seven out of eight of them. But I'm going to use the language. I'm going to use the energy. I'm going to use the signal that's strong enough, the spectrum that's wide enough, and the clarity of statement. And the words that I choose are to infect, affect, and inspire one out of eight people on earth, one billion people. Because I know that once that collective consciousness exists that we won't have to explain the difference between joy and happiness. I'm (laughs) I'm not sure if I believe all of it, but I know there's a big difference. And I don't realize or think in my head that in order to get a billion people on earth, I need to describe or have that argument or even intention or attention to that matter. For me, when I say happy, I know that I, a thousand people like you are telling me, Dave Meltzer, you can coach me and teach me to teach a thousand to teach a thousand. I'm all in whether uh-huh. I think happiness is joy or joy is happiness or they're different, <laughs> the same, et cetera. I, if, look, if a billion people are joyful, the same results will happen. Right. So why, why, why waste my energy and time trying to figure out the rest or teach other people the difference? Even though I do have an opinion of the difference, I don't even want to express it because I would rather people be happy and joyful.
2: Yes. No. And I love that because, you know, and personal growth is a funny, we're a funny mix of people. Uh, You know, like in the ways that we know how to shine, we're committed to the growth, the inner work, taking responsibility, uh, really pushing the boundaries, even with ourselves, setting the standards always higher. Uh, You know, when we get caught up in the personal realm world of playing semantics, at the end of the day, if these positive characteristics or emotions or whatever category they fall into, if they all happen to fall under the same umbrella of what is positive, of what is uplifting, of what is encouraging, of what is inspiring, then who cares? That's my answer.
0: (laughs) Exactly. You and I are on the same page once again.
2: Yeah, but I just wanted to say that because, you know, and not that you and I pay attention to critics or naysayers. I mean, there's always going to be people who
0: are operating
2: out of the filter of, oh, but what about joy, Dave? Let's talk about joy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of my guys who literally set me on this journey when I was in law school, best friend, I said the word happy. And he went into a long dissertation about joy. And I said, terrific. (laughs) I agree. Does it change yep. my opinion? No, I, I'm still doing what I'm doing. Call it joy or happiness. It's all over. I would love the fact that you want to be joyful. Me too. Uh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think the people who still get caught up in semantics, are, that's a barometer of how much work still has left to be done. So keep going, people. Mm. Keep going. The need to be right.
0: The need to be right. To absolutely. Ego-based right. consciousness at its best.
2: Yes. Well, being mindful of time, and I could talk to you forever, um, but we've only got a couple minutes here before we have to wrap up. So again, I'd like to give you the opportunity to share with the listening audience, the global listening audience and the podcast subscribers, where can people purchase your book? Where can people connect with you for a consultation? And just in general, where can people find out what's coming up on your venues if they want to attend a speaking engagement or they want to tune into your podcast, etc., etc.?
0: Awesome. Well, the name David Meltzer is my name. It's on my book. You can search for all the different places it's at from Amazon or Barnes and Nobles to book millions, etc. But David Meltzer uh, on Instagram, David Meltzer, LinkedIn, David Meltzer, YouTube, David Meltzer website is D Meltzer, first initial last name so if you remember david Meltzer and my first initial and last name you will find me my books and be able if you're interested in me coaching you joining my melzer 1000 program whatever it is give me a call email me i answer everything directly i'm up from 4 a.m to 11 p.m pacific time Every day that I can, unless I pass out before eleven, but I am up at four, uh, and that's my wife's caveat. Because she said, "Don't lie to people. You don't stay up till eleven every night." And I'm like, "Okay, I pass out. I'm out of energy, but I never go to sleep. I only pass out." I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share with you once again, and all I ask is please let me know how I can be of service, and I mean that for you and all of your wonderful listeners.
1: Oh
2: well, I appreciate that, and again, you've already you've what you've produced and brought to my life, and and just my vibration is is incredible, but yeah, I'll, I won't say no to another wink, wink, nudge, nudge to Gary Vaynerchuk.
0: There we go, you got it. I'm working on it. I am your agent of Gary. <laughs> oh, I
2: love that. And, and I have Andrew. to be
0: selective because I will tell you, out of all the people I was with Kobe Bryant yesterday, out of you saw the picture, out of all the people in the world, here's the coolest thing. If somebody would have told me that instead of having a Kobe Bryant picture on my wall in Jersey, that I would have a crushing it number one of 500 limited posters signed by Gary V, and more uh. people asked more people asked me to meet Gary V. And more people excited about meeting people. I had 30 people that went to that studio with me last week when I was in New York and people waiting in the lobby, not only to meet me, but to meet me so I could introduce them to Gary Vee. Um, you know, I went to Kobe yesterday. Nobody in my office is like, can I go? I was Are you like, serious? Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's Kobe Bryant. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, I living in? So more props to Kobe, but even more props to Gary V.
2: Absolutely. Well, listen, my friend, you're always going to be, uh, you know, endeavoring to do all kinds of additional things going forward futuristically. So if there's ever another time that you want to come showcase, whatever that is, whatever the product, the service and the ongoing reminder of what your plight and mission is, you've always got an open invitation to come back on to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. And uh, I just want to say, you know, I've shared it with you personally, I'm going to say it to you now. I love you. I think you're an amazing human being, and you are the real deal. Um, And I just think you're a breath of fresh air. You truly are.
0: Bless you. Thank you. And I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Okay
2: okay take care dave all my best and to my listening audience i want to thank you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedule for joining myself and my guest of today dave Meltzer. uh i'm here very clear on what my purpose is which is to uplift you to fear less and to live more and if there's anything i can do for you please don't hesitate to get in contact with both myself and dave Meltzer. we'd only be too happy to do so love and god bless take care all my best bye bye